Matthew chapter five. I'm gonna read to you out of the message. This is verse 13. So the message says this. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You know, this is, an, this is that's awesome. Let me tell you why you are here. Everyone has a specific call, right? For your life, that you have talents and abilities that God has given you, and there's a specific call that he has designed for you to fulfill on this earth, and it's yours. It's your responsibility to fulfill that. But then there's a general call. This would be a general call to every Christian, every believer that's here this morning and every believer on the planet. So he says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt, seasoning that brings out the God flavor of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Verse 14, here's another way to put it. You're here to bring light or to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a, a light stand. Now that I've put you up there on a hilltop and on a light stand, shine. Wow. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. And that's an interesting statement. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This, this generous father in heaven. Wow. Man, that, there is so much here. But what I want to do is I want to jump back and I'm going to shift on you and we're going to go back to verse three. I just wanted to read that out of the message. There were so many good things in there. You know, one, one of those things is opening up to people. That's such a powerful statement. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. Some people, you know, uh, live closet lives. They live closed lives. They don't like to open up to people because I've been hurt by people. Well, <clears throat> opening up to people and living out loud in front of them opens them up to God. So... We're not supposed to live hurt. We've talked about this, you know, that if I live done wrong, then I'm going to put boundaries around my life and I'm not gonna allow people to come into my life because I don't wanna be hurt again. That's a very self-centered way to live, right? And so in living that way, I cannot become love, who God has, which is what God has called me to become. He's called me to be love to other people, right? And so one thing I learned when Nicole and I were first married, um, their family was the loud family. My family was the quiet family. We talked a little bit about this. You know, we were just quieter. I don't know. We just, you know. And, but one thing I learned with Nicole was that there was no hidden area with her, which is what I fell in love with because I always knew where I stood with her. I like that. I didn't like these games. I'd gone out with other girls and it was like, you know, you weren't sure where you stood with them. And sometimes it was, you know, we were a-okay. And then it was like, are you okay? And then you get the big long text back, you know. And then, you know, the next day it's everything is good. And then I was like, oh, I can't do this. 
you know, and so I loved that about Nicole because I saw in her something that I desired was that she lived open in front of me. There were no, there was nothing hidden. Everything was wide, it was out there, you know, and I wasn't used to that. Not that we didn't have the ability to be open as, as a Johnson. I, I, we, we were just, you know, I grew up differently. And so, but what it helped me with was I began to see that it, what the scripture just said, that if I opened up my life, then I opened up the ability for God to minister to me, through me to other people. Okay, amen. So let's... Let, Let's look at verse three over in chapter five, Matthew chapter five, verse three. And so Jesus has gone up on the mountain. There's a lot of people that have come and he calls his disciples to himself and he begins to teach them. And this is what he teaches them. In verse three, it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, let me read that to you out of the message. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is the language of dependency. Is that we are called to live not an independent life, but a dependent life on him. We need him to direct and to steer, right? And then verse four says, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. The message says, you're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. It's interesting that Matthew uses the terms mourn and it uses the term comfort where Luke uses weeping and laughter. Weeping and laughter. You remember Jesus when he first got up into the end of the temple and he took the scroll and he read from the book of Isaiah, right? And this is the scripture that he read over in Isaiah 61. The tail end of that in verse two, he said, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of Lord's, the Lord's favor has come. But then it goes on in verse three and it says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, joy uh, or a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. So look at that. God is giving you beauty for ashes. He's giving you joy instead of mourning. This is, how many of you are saved in here? Okay, got a few people saved. All right, we'll work on the rest of you. But this is who Jesus is talking you as a child of God, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm giving all this to you. I'm giving you joy for your mourning. I'm giving you comfort when you feel alone, right? Psalm 30 verse five says, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. In Proverbs or in, in Revelation, Jesus said, I am the bright and morning star. He's the morning star. Joy comes in the morning. Amen. Then in verse five, it says, God blesses those who are humble. They will inherit the earth. In the Amplified Bible, it uses for that word humble, the gentle, the mild, patient, the long suffering. Let me read it to you out of the message. It says in verse five that you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. 
Wow. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're content with who God has called you to be, who he has made you to be. Why would the, why would the clay look at the potter and say, why have you made me like this? There's a plan. There's a purpose. I was watching a video yesterday and it was, and it was kind of um, documenting Stephen Curry's life and you know how he started just this little, little guy, this little squirt, and he had to figure out ways to beat the big guys because he didn't have the height. He couldn't p- compete at the height level. And so threes became a big deal in his life. And so he began to beat people with threes and he began to find other ways to beat the players that he was playing against. So he didn't complain. Do we sit and complain about how we've been made or do we look for ways that God can take how we were made and use it for his glory? Yeah, yeah, because he can. And so in verse six, it says this, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness. Some translations say, for they will be satisfied. See, hunger and thirst is a human need for sustenance. Jesus, how did he instruct us to pray? He said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. We have to go get our daily bread, but it's there for us. And it's sustaining. But when we thirst and we hunger for it, that means it's, it's a life source for us. Man, thank you, Lord. So verse seven says, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown merciful mercy. You remember when Jesus shared the parable in Matthew, when he talked about the, the servant who was brought before his master and he owed him a lot of money, he had no way to pay. And so his master said, go sell everything that he has, put him in prison until he should pay. And he cried out for mercy. And what did the master do? The mercy had compassion. And he gave him, he gave him mercy and he said, he said, you know what, I forgive the debt. And he walked out of there, what did he do? He went and found somebody that owed him money and threw him in prison. So he throws him in prison and then the master hears about it and he brings him back in and he said, what, what in the world? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Why did you do that? He said, I forgave you. So when we show other people mercy, what are we going to be shown? Mercy. How many of you need mercy? Boy, thank you, Jesus. I need mercy. And so I need to show mercy. How many of you have ever been behind? Don't raise your hand. You've been behind, you know, a car and you wonder, why are they going so slow? What is going on? And and maybe it begins to rise up in you. Ever had that pressure cooker thing rise up in you and you're going, what in the world? Why are you driving the way that you are? And then you pull up next to them and you realize that they're older. Okay. Mercy. Mercy. What do they need? They need mercy given to them. Verse 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure or guiltless is another word for pure. For they will see God. Look at the message. It says this, that you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world instead of just on the inside. So 
So what that, what that does, when we do what we talked about this morning, where I said, when, when David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. When we keep our heart clear, we're able to lay down at night and sleep good. If you're able to lay down at night and your conscience isn't bothering you, then you're pure, you're guiltless, you're free. But if there's something there that's bugging you, then you need to deal with that. You need to take a moment to uh, ask forgiveness or repent or whatever it is that's going to straighten that out. Why? We want to keep our hearts clean, pure before God. Yeah. And so, so that's going to help us live forgiven. Here's what the New American Commentary had to say about that, that those who work for shalom, that's nothing missing, nothing bro- broken, wholeness and harmony rather than strife and discord in all aspects of life. And then verse 10, in the message it says, you're blessed when, you, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Man, that's what it does for a person that's walking in love, that's become love. And then in verse 13, it says in the NLT that you are salt. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? And you are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights up a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Isn't that interesting? That people will praise your heavenly father because of, your, of the good, of, that you're walking in love. Love is seen. It's a city on a hill. How do you see a city on a hill? Have you ever driven at night and you're coming up on a big city and you can see the glow? as you're approaching and it's like this huge glow and then you pull into the city. I don't know if you've ever driven into the city of Pittsburgh where you come through the tunnels, it's beautiful. And then when you get through the tunnel, it's like, you know, there's the three rivers and there's the big skyscrapers and it's just so impressive because it's lit. Okay, why do you need to have a light on? So you can see because there's darkness. Darkness always needs a light. And you're called to be that light. You're called to shine. Our calling, it's a general calling for every Christian, is to shine before men. How do we shine? We become love. We act in love. We live in love. And that spreads God's goodness, isn't it? It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance, not the condemnation of us pointing fingers. It's the goodness of God, right? So, all right, so everyone in the house should benefit from your light. Everyone on your job should benefit from your light. That's why some people maybe aren't excited to see you. You might be shining light on areas that they want to keep dark. And it may not be your fault because you're just being the light. I remember uh, I was working with a guy and he came over to my desk one day and he said, so I don't know, word got around about our kids, Zach and Becca at that time, they were like 15, 16 years old. And 
you know, they would come to the office once in a while and say hi, and people would see them, and I didn't think anything about it. Um, but this one guy came over to my desk, and he said, so, you know, everybody's telling me you're a pretty good father. Well, I think I'm a pretty good father. I was like, I, yeah, I bet you are. You know, I wasn't challenging him on being a father. Light is shining. And you know what? When you get around people that their light is shining, it makes you want your light. I mean, it makes you work on your light, doesn't it? It causes you to shine brighter. And that's why this thing's important right here. Where we come together and we're all together, guess what? Light is illuminating out of this place. And I'm looking for the day, man, when heaven touches earth in here and just smacks all of us. I'd be okay with that. It's not that I want an experience. I don't. What I want is I want to leave changed. I want to leave changed by the presence of God, man. When we come in here, this is not, we're not playing around in here. I hope you know that. You know, I would love to wow you with fancy words and, and impress you with something, but all I've got is him and him crucified. And that's plenty. That's everything. All right. Turn over to Acts chapter one. I want to read something. Acts chapter one. Look at verse eight. Love the sound of sweet babies in the room. It's awesome. They, they overturned Roe v. Wade, by the way. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That's good. So I, I'm going to read a familiar verse. Now, this is Jesus talking because it's in red. Okay? Um, hey, Miss, uh, you got me? Okay. All right. Acts chapter 1. And this is Jesus talking. This is verse 8. And he says this. But you shall receive power. What did he say you'll receive? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to do what? And you shall be my witness before you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, what are you going to receive again? Let's, let's all say it together. What are you going to receive again? Okay, because we just read it. This is Jesus talking. I didn't write this. Okay. So you're going to receive power. Power to do what? Power to be a witness. All right. So the great sign according to this scripture that someone has been empowered by the Spirit is power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. The great sign is the power to be a witness. See, this is what Jesus said. So if he said it, I'm going with him. I don't know about you. I'm going with what he said. So what this means is that your life becomes a living testament of the goodness of God. Your life becomes a billboard of his goodness. The only goodness that others are going to see is what you have inside of you. Phil, you don't, you don't understand, man, where I work, it's really dark over there. Yeah, that's why you're there. Amen. But if you can't, if, you don't, if you're not willing to tell people, I'm a Christian, 
because, well, I don't want them to feel like, I don't want them to think I'm a hypocrite. Or, you know, I can't believe I was driving like that with a fish on the back of my car, you know, or, whoa, whoa. And, and if you're hiding the light, that's putting it under a bushel. Not talking about it, not being open, not living out loud is put, keeping your light concealed. But God didn't give you the light to conceal it. He gave you the light so that you could shine before other men. But if I'm easily frustrated and I'm hurt by what people do to me, how am I shining? If I'm upset at my wife because what she said offended me, how am I shining? If I'm taking things personally instead of taking him personally and allowing him to live through me, how am I shining? If I'm not walking in love, how am I shining? My life is supposed to be a billboard. It's supposed to be a testimony of the goodness of God. So do people see Jesus when they look at you? Our love convinces others who we are. Our love for people. You've heard, you've heard them say that, you know, if it quacks like a duck, swims like a duck, waddles like a duck, must be a duck. Why? Because it looks like one. Well, shouldn't I look like a born-again Christian? If I have to wear a T-shirt to get people to see who I am, am I being that? Hey, I'm not saying that we live life perfectly. I was so touched by the testimony that Lisa Ecke gave on Wednesday night. It just blew me away. She, I'm not going to ask you to share it. This, I might. <laughs> I might. But she talked, about, she talked about how people had been parking in her yard. They have the kind of yard that's just, they're right on a convenient corner. And, and some city trucks have been parking in their yard. And they've had to repair things, water lines and grass and other stuff. And, and she said, and this guy actually came to the door and knocked on the door and asked if he could park in your yard. And she, and she said, and anyway, he got an earful of all the trucks that had been parked in the yard and not been asking her. And she just kind of went, do you want to share that? Get up here and share that because I'm messing up your story. Let's use this one, I think. Yeah. Thanks. Come on up here, Lisa. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you. It's... If I was a Catholic, I'd have to go to confession. <laughs> well, it's just family it's here, good. right? It is. We're just family. But in context, we're talking about Romans. Mm-hmm. Our identification is in Christ Jesus, and therefore, Wednesday night, mid-service, talking about the flesh. When we behave in the flesh, you behave in a certain way. But if you're walking in the Spirit, yeah. you work. In a different way. Yeah. Correct? Yes. Boy, I blew it. After years of utility companies coming in with their bureau trucks, I'd had it. Guy knocks on the door, and he says, can I bring my big old truck into your yard? And I said, absolutely not. Do you hear me? You are not permitted to drive your truck into my yard. Do you get it? And he looked at me, and he's a tall, good-looking young man. And I just went on. I said, I'm sick 
and tired of all of y'all coming into my yard without permission. You tear up my sod and you leave and there's no reclamation on my yard. And I went on and on and on. And he goes, lady, it's all you had to say was no. <laughs> and I went, oh, and then the piercing of your heart. And I just went, oh, Lord. And I said, you know what? And I did, I bowed my head, I said, you're right. I am so sorry, please forgive me. He goes, hey, I didn't take any offense. God bless you. Oh, no. And then I said, God, oh, Lord bless you too. Talk to him, he goes, what church do you go to? I went, no. I said, what church do you go to? And so he told me, he goes, I said, Vision Church. Oh, do you know Jacob Allred? And I went, oh, no. <laughs> and I said, Jacob's going. Huh? Yes. He tells me what a wonderful church that is. And I went, it is. Hold on. I went and I got him an invite church, uh, card and invited him to Vision. And then Roger said, my wife will be the one the hateful wife on the right side of the, of the chairs, that's where she is, but it, oh. But immediately the Lord convicted me and yes. pierced my heart. And that's, that's the part that was amazing. And so I'm free and not condemned, but using it as a lesson. So you're, but you're in Christ, you got right back in Christ. Oh yes, he didn't even let me go five seconds of hand on the hip and let me tell you what. <laughs> None of that. Immediately, the conviction came, and I did. And he was so gracious. Yeah. I always feel like it was a setup. You know, let's just see how Lisa's going to re really react, the real Lisa come forth. Yeah. But I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit did <clears throat> yeah. squeeze my heart and say, no, yeah. don't behave that way. Yeah. And it was good. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Can you give Lisa a hand? Oh, man, and, and we've all been there. All of us uh, have been there, been in that place where we're like, oh, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know how upfront I want to be about being a Christian because I know they're going to be able to find things to point at. Hey, it comes with it. Persecution comes with being a Christian. Read your Bible. It comes with it not just once, but on a consistent basis. There'll be some people that, that just won't, be excited to even be in relationship with you because you've professed to be a Christian. And so they know that, you know, that means certain things, but they may be eyeballing you even more. Huh, what? What, the, what are they doing over there? Thought they were a Christian. We're becoming love. Thank you, Lord. Wow. See, some try to put on a performance to convince others. It doesn't work well. Man, that would wear me out. That wears people out, trying to put on something that they're not. Listen to what Margaret Thatcher said. She said this, being powerful is a lot like being a woman. If you have to tell someone that you are, invariably, you're not. Wow. Wow. I was, uh, my wife and I were in Minnesota and we were sitting down with a pastor and we were talking with her and she was telling us about her father. Her father was actually the founding pastor of the church where she was pastoring and her father had gone home to be with the Lord, but she was telling us about marriage counseling and the type of marriage counseling that he would do. 
And this was a statement, this was something that he would say. He would ask them, are the two of you, when he was talking about kids, he would ask them, are the two of you worth duplicating? Whoa. I was like, you, he asked that? Are the two of you worth duplicating? Oh, my word. Wow. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So we're not called to be right. We're called to be love. Jesus didn't come right. Otherwise, you and I are all wrong. He came righteous, and his righteousness makes us, turns our wrong into right. Thank you, Jesus. Becca, could you come help me? The Lord gave me this word just a couple days ago. I was hesitant to write it down. I mean, to share it with you guys. I didn't know if it was more personal. You know you know how God gives some things that are just for you, but then he gives other things, you know, that, that's for the body. And he said, no, I want you to share it. I said, wow, okay, I'll share it. So he said, never preach to prove someone wrong. Preach to prove him right. Never preach to prove someone else wrong. Preach to prove him right. I'm not walking in love if I'm just out to prove you wrong. I'm not becoming love if it's that, and, and if heaven, man, God, we are not a church that's going to stand up and say, hey, we're right. No, God is right. And we're going we're gonna to be on his side. Because you and I have not been right. That's why Jesus had to come righteous so that our wrong could be turned into righteousness. <laughs> it's because of him. It's because of what he did. And so I, I you know, man, when I read that, I just, or when I heard that, I just went, wow, Lord, wow. Man, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for this church this morning that God would help us become love and it we can't we can't live the way that we've lived in the past we have to dig in deeper and drill down in our communion with him because Some have made it about theology. Some have made it about um, all about the word. Some have made it all about, um, you know, experiences and encounters with God. We need to not just come to a relationship of the word. Like I shouldn't be coming to my devotional. I should be coming to him. I don't come to the word to get a message. I come to the word communion with him I don't come to him in prayer because I have a need and I just need an answer or I need my need met I come to him in prayer so that I can commune with him 
and spend time with him. And see, this, this takes effort. See, this is why I'm not in a hurry to just interrupt the praise and worship. This is why we probably go a little bit longer than some other churches, maybe, with worship. I mean, God can move in time frames. I'm not saying he can't. It, I mean, it's one thing when you have multiple services. I used to lead worship at Victory in Tulsa, and I remember Pastor Billy Joe one time, he said, you got 13 minutes. I didn't have a second hand on my watch. And I didn't have, we didn't have all the fancy watches like we have now, you know, I just had, that was all I had. And I remember looking at my watch going, okay, 13, where's that gonna be? You know, it's gonna be about right here. And I remember I was singing and we were worshiping and the Spirit of God hit that place. And he had a guest minister speaking. The Spirit of God just filled the room. And at 13, I was pulling it back because we're at 13, because I'm under cover. And I looked over at Pastor Billy Joe and he goes, like this, keep going, man, keep going. Let's, permission. He sensed the presence of God was here. This, man, for us as a church, we, we want his presence to overwhelm this place. We want to give God liberty in this place. And so that way, man, needs are met, sicknesses are healed, everything that you have need of is found in him. It's not found in a great preacher. It's not found in a guest minister. It's not found in a worship team or a worship experience. It is found only in him. So I, I want to encourage you, man, join us in here. When we come in here on Sundays, press into his presence. Phil, I don't, I, I'm not sure how to do that. It's okay. Holy Spirit, He's going to help you. He's teaching you. He's teaching us how to flow with him. For anyone to come in here and say, when the presence of God hits this place, I know what to do. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just drop to your knees and you say, oh God. Or you just lift your hands and you say, oh God. Or you do what God is pulling on you to do. You know what that is. And it's not about the action it's about the communion we have made we've made christianity so much about things that it's not even christianity it's not communion with him it's tradition it's religion we can learn things we can we've learned how to talk as christians haven't we praise god glory hallelujah i'm in his grip man Christian lingo is one of the worst things I think we've ever learned as a church. They call it Christianese. That's, a, that's not a good thing to learn. It's communion. It's you and I having relationship with Him. When we have a relationship with Him, we know Him. And when we know Him, we become who He designed us to be. We become love. And when we become love, we're shining Him. Phil, I just feel like I have a little tiny light right now. Shine it. Stick it way up there, man. Just let it, because have you ever been in a dark place? You can see that little light. Remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. How are we shining? The way Lisa did. 
See, because you didn't feel like you shined at the beginning of that, but in the end, you were shining super bright. Why? Because you repented and you turned your heart. That's what shining is. It doesn't mean that you, you do it perfectly all the time. But if you fail, fail forward. Keep, I mean, get right back up and keep going forward. Oh man, thank you, Lord. Would you stand up with me this morning? Lift your hands toward heaven all around the room. If you don't mind, unless you have a baby in your hands. I don't want to do that. <clears throat> Just lift your hands toward heaven. Father, this morning we want to shine. I thank you, Lord, that you are helping us become love in every area. Lord, that like Lisa's story, Lord, that we're able to flip it. We're able to turn and burn. We're able to turn that thing around and flip it and become love. So I thank you, Father, Lord, that we're not going to sit around and we're not going to we're not going to uh, beat ourselves up over our mistakes, over our failures in our life, but we choose to become love and to live the life of love, to walk in it, to be patient, to be kind. Lord, the love keeps no record of wrong. Lord, I think that we're wadding up the lists and we're throwing them away. Lord, that we are no longer going to keep a list of things that people have done wrong. I thank you, Lord, that just because we've been done wrong, we don't have to live done wrong, but we can live done love. <laughs> Lord, because you loved us when we were unlovable. You loved us when we didn't deserve it. And I thank you, Father, for that. Lord, because now, because of your love, we can be a light. You have given us the power to be witnesses, that our life would be an amazing testimony of the goodness of God an illuminated light that shines for all to see and Lord we will not hide the fact that we're a Christian from anyone but we will let our light shine before men Lord because you said those who are ashamed of me before men I will be ashamed of before my father in heaven and I thank you Lord that's not this group that's not us we're gonna shine we're gonna shine Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person here. In the mighty, mighty.